Hey there, my name is Shane Craddock, and this is the Inner Edge podcast, where I share a different take on how to lead and live a sustainable high-performance life. Over the course of different episodes, I'm going to challenge the belief that tension, stress, and struggle are essential to success and creativity. My experience is that there's an easier way, there's a better way, and indeed there's an essential way that we need to explore for the times that we live in. So let's go ahead, let's jump in and explore. Hello there, welcome to today's episode. Um, the title for today's podcast is Two Elements, Two Key Elements to Real Confidence. Uh, confidence is an interesting area. I mean, I think everybody, no matter who they are, probably even no matter what age they are, understands the value of real, uh, deep inner confidence. Certainly in sports, it's usually very evident. Um, you know, it's, it's also an area where people can play mind games very quickly or intimidate. Confidence is massive in business. It's massive in your own sense of expression, authenticity. Um, it's a very important part of just self-realization, getting the best from yourself, being your best self, la, 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 la. So what I find fascinating, though, in a business context or in particular is that you can have the very best product, you can have the best services, you could have the best knowledge, you could have fantastic skill, talent. But if you don't have the confidence to use those, then they're pretty much worthless to you. So um, one of the key elements that I'm going to explore and just talk about here in this particular episode is that unless you've got real deep confidence, you won't make use of what you have. Not to the full extent by any means. And I do think there's two key elements to that. In my experience, um, I, I'm going to talk mostly about one key area today because I think it's probably more, it's easier to grasp. The second element, if you can get it, is the game changer. And I will come back to that later on. But the first I'm going to talk about is uh, your self-image. Your self-image. Now, your self-image is... I suppose, you know, I, I look at the mind as having two main parts. There's the conscious mind, and then there's the unconscious mind. It's a bit like an iceberg. You've got the tip of the iceberg that you can see, but the main, ma main mass of the iceberg is underneath the waterline. You can't see it. Same thing with your mind, your unconscious mind. And one of the areas within your, within your unconscious mind is, I suppose, what I would call the identity area. And within that, probably one of the key areas there is your self-image, how you see yourself how you see yourself. And this is the part, if I say, well, you know, tell me about yourself. Who are you? What do you like? You would describe, you know, well, if it's Shane or it's John or it's Peter, whoever, whatever your name is, you say, well, I like this and I don't like that. And I'm good at this and I'm bad at that. And I can do this well, but I can't do that that well. And the problem is that most people believe that that's fixed. The reality is that that self-image is actually coming from, really come your past experiences from your memory. And your memory is, uh, it, it, it distorts things. And some things have got a very high emotional weight, other things don't. And I'm going to share a couple of stories here, maybe just to challenge, uh, perhaps you might be believing, because most people, no matter how good they are, even if they know something about this area, will still be constrained by their self-image and not realize it. Because your unconscious mind has a huge hold over the results that you experience and will experience in your life. And you have an image of yourself, not just um, of what you consciously think, but like at a deep unconscious level, 
your mind is telling you not just who you are, but probably who you're going to be and what you can do and what you can't do. And very often things like self-sabotage and things like that come into this area. So a couple of stories, hopefully, that will illustrate the point. One is I remember back a good while ago now in when I was working in the corporate world for about six years, um, the company I was working with actually had a very healthy, active social life. One of the nice things about being in the corporate world was that. And I remember I signed up for everything. And one of the things I signed up for was basketball, the basketball team. And they had a pretty good basketball team. And when I inquired as to who was the manager, who was the coach for the team, this was a men's team now, I got a bit of a shock that the person who was in charge was a woman um, in a different department to mine. And I was I, I told the person, they got up to see my face and said, oh, no, 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 I can see what you're thinking. She's a very different animal on court. I remember the words exactly, a very different animal on court. And because the person in question, in my mind, I was thinking, well, God, she's very quiet. She's timid. She doesn't really speak up in meetings. Um, she's not very assertive. She's easy to get around. Um, so how is she going to handle, like, oh, guys, the minimum size of six foot, maybe the highest being, like, six, seven, six, eight, whatever. Um, well, I remember, but I remember going to training, and I just could get not over the person that turned up at training because she was an animal. <laughs> she was cursing. She was shouting at people. I remember one guy she like who was like six foot eight. She literally was talking to him like he was five, and he was taking it because she knew her stuff. And she was just a different person. And then when you come back into work and you were talking to her and say, oh, about training and everything else, just gone back into being a timid person. Now, this is before really I kind of know what I know, know now about self-image and the power that it has. And then a second story um, also relates to that time a little bit where uh, outside of work, I joined a drama group. Uh, I love and enjoy anything to do with theatre. And at the time, I was part of a, a drama group, a, a very healthy, active one. Great people, great directors, great actors. And I remember going for an audition for one play and sitting in the audition area. And this guy was beside me and he was shriveled up, hunched up. And he was extremely shy. I mean, really, really self-conscious. And I was thinking to myself, God, like, what's this guy going to be doing? Anyway, so I did my audition came out, wished him luck. A week later, I heard, okay, I, I was lucky enough to get a part. And I was asking the director who, who else got parts. And he named this guy. And I was like, really? I said, oh, God. He said, oh, no, no. He said, uh, <laughs> this guy is, is going to be brilliant for the part. And I was thinking, oh, maybe there's a part in that I hadn't really copped that's going to be a quiet guy. Anyway, so we went in for what's called the table read. And that's where like people, the actors meet for the first time. We sit around. There's no movement, just reading the lines. And I remember looking at the guy thinking, and he looked again hunched over, but when it came to his part, his, his demeanor changed, his body language changed, his tone changed. And the part he was playing was this really aggressive, uh, boisterous character. And he completely changed. And afterwards, I distinctly remember going up to him saying, hey, I think his name was David. And I said, look, David, uh, uh, that was an amazing read-through. I said, God, I, I, I just didn't know you had it in you. And the guy had reverted back to who he thought he was and could barely look me in the eye. And that was the way he was throughout the whole show. He just, you couldn't have a proper conversation with the guy. 
I remember thinking at the time, I was starting to get into the mind thinking, wow, that's the power of the unconscious. That's the power of the self-image that he can act and become this very strong, assertive, confident person on stage. But as soon as he steps off the stage, he reverts back to whatever his mind is telling him he truly is. The reality is, from my perspective, that neither, neither one of those is the real version of him. But one version is probably going to get more better results. But if you can act it, what I've discovered myself is that at some point, you can make it stick. Um, to, 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 to bring it more into maybe the leadership or business context, I have a, a client who, when I first started talking to them about their business, um, early on in my career, uh, was more about the outer game than it was the inner game. Now it's it's 80% about the inner side with anybody that I work with closely. Um, but then it was it was less so. And I was talking about looking at their business. They were in a bit of difficulty. I was asked to give them some help. So I was asking about the numbers and the financials. And like many people, they balked visibly at my request. Um, and she just went, no, 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 I'm not talking about the numbers. You can talk about, you can talk to my financial person. I don't do the numbers. Um, and I remember kind of going, well, I understand that. I think a lot of people can be reluctant, but she said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm bad at numbers. I just, I, I, I can't, I just can't do them got very emotional, got very stressed. And after we all calmed down and I started to talk a little bit about what I'm talking about now, about the self-image, the unconscious mind, the iceberg, um, while she accepted the logic of it, it's a bit like talking to somebody who has a phobia of a spider. They can kind of accept the logic of it, but you show them a spider and they just flip out. <laughs> That's the power of your unconscious mind. It just overrides logic. So anyway, I went off anyway to talk to the financial person. And because the financial person was getting away with blue murder, because the owner didn't like numbers. Uh, there was bad stuff happening. And I was the first person to dig into it, find some of the bad stuff. And in the end, the person uh, had to be let go, financial person, because they were doing some bad things. And I had to explain to my client that, listen, you can um, essentially flip the script that you're telling yourself here, that we all have an inner script. It's coming from the self-image. That self-image is coming from the past which is your memory, which is very random. Now, in her case, as I discovered, it was a teacher in her school that said to her, you're useless at numbers. You're never going to be good at numbers. I don't know why I waste my time with you. And then, unfortunately, she took that as solid, put that into her unconscious mind, and then looked through that script or filter for the rest of her life. So as a result, she kind of shut off even trying. And that's the problem with these things, that you just shut off even trying. So... <clears throat> If you want to change something, if you want to flip the script um, within your self-image, um, there's a lot of different things you can do. And obviously, I, probably, I, I don't have the time. This is not the right place to do it. But I'll give you some, some ideas around it. The first thing is that if you want to change new behavior, for example, with my client about improving herself around numbers, because now today, if you talk to her, she's very comfortable with numbers. She loves them, actually. So what changed? First of all, you got to ask yourself, what's the picture that I'm, that's in my mind around this area? And then I say, okay, if you understand, you can change that. Let's create a new picture. And then you play that picture in your mind. But you have to do that, I suppose, with a relaxed mind. So you're relaxing your mind, whatever way you can do that. I often do that with clients by recording relaxation audios where I get them to imagine themselves behaving in the way that they want. Now, the simple formula would be, if you can imagine it, plus 
emotional intensity that you really get into it, you apply the emotion, you feel the excitement of getting a positive result or new behavior, that equals changing your self-image. Imagine it plus emotional intensity, and I suppose I should say plus repetition equals changing your self-image. If you can change your self-image, and it's not that hard if you allow self-permission to even look at it, but very often what you'll find is that people will do techniques, but they don't work for them. Why? They're probably not doing them in the way that they should be doing them because their self-image is getting in the way. And even as you're listening to this, your self-image could be saying something like, yeah, no, that, that doesn't work for me. Or I tried something before, it doesn't work for me. Or I tried some positive stuff, it doesn't really work. That's going to get in the way. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and when people think about it, I always think about, even for myself, like what's it costing me? What's it costing you in terms of lost time, lost living, lost opportunities? That could be quite high. By the way, while I'm at this and before I ask the questions to close out, um, myself and a colleague, Dr. Michael Gerhardt's, are running a program called Flip the Script. Three months, sorry, it runs over three months. It starts in early September. So depending on when you're hearing this, it might, it might suit you. It's exactly for something like what we're talking about here in terms of changing your self-image to flip the script, change it. You could be very successful, but have a blind spot on something. You know, there's one area just not nailing it. You could be somebody who's trying to get up to another level and for whatever reason, you just don't seem to get there. Or maybe you're somebody who's just got to where you want to get to or where you thought you wanted to get to but you're just not feeling the satisfaction that you thought you were going to feel. That is usually a self-image problem as well. So some questions for you. Um, where are you confident? Think about an area that you're just really, really confident. And just take a moment to reflect on what are you saying to yourself? What are the images you're, you're saying to yourself about that? Think about the images or the reason that your mind says you're confident. Now think about an area where you'd like more confidence and reflect on, well, what are the pictures you see there? What's your self-image around that? And then I'd say, right, well, if you want to improve it, if you're open to improving it, because sometimes it doesn't matter, but if it's, if it's an area that you care about, what would you like it to be? What would you, what would you like to see? Because you have to see it first. You have to see it. You've got to be able to imagine it and then to feel it with emotional intensity before it'll happen. You've got to get your mind to line up your unconscious mind, to line up with where you want to go, with where you see yourself going. Otherwise, you'll probably just be self-sabotaging. Now, I had said, of course, at the start of this, there was two key elements, and I really only talked about one. And that one is a self-image because I think it's a practical way that you can probably start on even listening to this short audio. Um, but the second one, I'm just going to say it very short here, is... If you think about it, like what is confidence? For me, confidence is just the absence of doubt. The absence of doubt. If I'm not doubting myself, I will just do stuff. I will do the actions in front of me without thinking. And if you do that, then you build your confidence. So if you look at doubt, though, what is doubt? Doubt is just a thought. It's a thought. And if it's just a thought... You can ignore it if you wish. You see, I said this a little bit. It's not as maybe <laughs> tangible as the other one. But for me, if you can, and maybe there might be one person who's listening to this, maybe it's you, that you might get what I'm saying here, that it, when you realize that it's thought that blocks your natural confidence, your confidence is already there. You don't need to 
um, added in. Like when you get your self-image consistent with the way you'd like to be, what's really happening is you're minimizing the stress or the interference or the doubt. So doubt is just a thought. You can't ignore it if you wish. And actually, even being like that can be put into your self-image so that the self-image can help you to, to be like that, to be non-reactive to thought. But even if your mind throws up all sorts of weird stuff or doubt or stress, you can see yourself in the moment, clear, calm, centered, what I call a 3C state. Anyway, there's lots more we could throw in there, so watch this space. We'll find some way maybe to communicate around that. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.